So, are you curious? I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. Hold fast, fellow sailors, as we've crossed into the stormy seas of post-production. Today, Mandy updates me on the thousand little pieces that contribute to a final film. We will discuss VFX, the trailer, the website, the score, opening titles, closing titles, and the weird world of coloring. But before we get into that, we'll talk about her recent return to live performance. Chapter 15. Who cares about the trees? Before we talk about sort of where Just Plus None is right now, um, I wanted to talk about something you did since last time we talked. You returned to the stage. Oh God, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you got to you actually got to sing. Yes. So tell us about like it's, I mean, obviously, tell us about you know what, how how to go and uh, and how how it came about uh, and how you feel about it. It was super easy because I have the best podcast partner, as you know, Mandy. Kaplan, yes. uh, right. Mandy, also Mandy Clavin. So sometimes, anyway, um, she yeah. she does this show called Miscast every three months or so, and I've done a bunch of them, and I love doing them. And I'm always like, no, 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 I'm gonna focus on my writing and my directing. You know, that's what I'm doing. And then she's like, hey, do you want to play Bradley Cooper? And I'm like, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> so she always. She always gets me by telling me what I'm going to do. And then I'm like, oh, oh, I can't miss out on the chance to do a Xanadu duet with you on roller skates. <laughs> you know? well, that's, yeah, so so what, what, the, what is the show? The show is miscast. Okay. The, the show is, and the premise yes, is. The premise is right singer, wrong song. So like it, I would be playing, you know, a 60 year old man or a 12 year old black girl or, you know, like an orphan or anything that I would never, ever get a chance to do actually on stage. Like, it's not fair for me to go in and do, you know, the mom from Dear Evan Hansen, because that's a role I could potentially do. So, but I could play Evan Hansen. Um, so it's that kind of thing. It's all Broadway musicals and stuff and half the stuff I never even know. And she introduces me to these songs, but <laughs> she and I are so weird. And we did, we did a number from A Star Is Born where she was Lady Gaga and I was Bradley Cooper and I played guitar and I sang, we sang Shallow. And then we, we did that creepy, let's almost kiss and then stare at the cameras, <laughs> the steamy connection between us is palpable. And then uh -huh. this time I... Did it? Uh, I did another song from A Star Is Born, sort of lamenting that my partner was no longer with me. And instead of it being Mandy, obviously it was the beard that I wore as Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I came on beardless, and then I played a song on piano and sang while it was video of me having a love affair with the beard. And then ultimately, <laughs> the beard and I frolicking in the waves of the ocean, and the beard drowns. And so it was actually an oh. in memoriam to the beard that was no longer with us. Um, and she pitched this idea to my, me, and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So so when's the last time you, you had done miscast? Oh, gosh, two years. Yeah, I think it had been about two years ago. And I um, I had never played piano in Miss Cast oh, before. Okay. So that was a first. And I'm not like a, hey, I'll do you know, Christmas carols around the, around the, I'm not really, I'm not that good, but she gave me a song that I could play and I figured it out. I practiced it every day for like two months and I loved it. I had a great time. It was really fun. Thank you for asking. I love it every time. It still tickles every funny bone in my body. I'm one of those stupid performers that I'm like, it was so good, wasn't it? Like, cause I love it so much, you know? Yeah, I'm hoping at some point they'll figure out how to live stream it. I have video. I like, I really like, you have video? Oh, okay. I say I would like I would like a, a like I didn't because I didn't I wasn't in Los Angeles at that time, so I really wanted to see a, a lot of that because I because I know now I know multiple people who are in it, uh, but I'm hoping you know the wider world could eventually see it. So that's a great that'll, idea. That'll we should happen one day. I'll, we should I'll talk to her about it. Yeah, I think it'd be great. She asked me to do the uh, September so, one, but I was like, I'm hoping oh. that I'll be at the Toronto Film Festival instead. <laughs> what? Do you, have a, do you have a film that you're working on? Oh, funny or, you uh... should ask, Kyle. <laughs> funny you should ask. <laughs> 
So, all right. So then, um, so then, to, uh, since it's since from last episode to this episode, uh, as people are listening, um, it has been a while since we talked because you were in post production stuff. So yep. now a bunch of post production things have happened. So, mm-hmm. um, what was what was the uh, I guess what happened next? Like the, in terms of getting together. Selling the movie because that's like the other thing. As, as you as you as you wrapped, mm-hmm. like you you have the picture lock mm-hmm. uh, as much as as much as you you could at the time. Um, yes. So that it's that it's advertising, it's trailers, it's posters. It's uh, like is this all happening at the same time, or did you get to like sort of finish one thing and then move on to the next? So I think anything that you can do. Th- I'm speaking to all indie filmmakers out there. Okay, this is really like the do-it-yourself mindset. You will go crazy if you do things one at a time on some level. (laughs) Because, like, for example, so we had um, an April 1st deadline. (laughs) We had an April 1st deadline that I was like, oh, listen, I called my agent. I was like, so this baby is going to be done April 1st. And I want to start talking about blah, blah strategy. And he's like, all right, well, let me know when the movie's done. I'm like, why are you being like this? The movie's going to be done (laughs) April 1st. Did you hear me? April 1st. (laughs) And then... Then you can probably guess what happened. Then we had a May 20th deadline for the Toronto Film Festival. Then we had a July 1st deadline for the ABC (laughs) directing program. And now I'm going back in tomorrow to finish up Color VFX. So what I'm saying is what I'm saying is if I hadn't if I had waited until everything was absolutely done, done to do the trailer, the poster, etc., I would have been way behind. But as it is, as it is, because we we we're if the pieces are coming in, they're just coming in slowly. So we're finishing up VFX. Uh, note to every screenwriter, just know, unless you have a buddy that does VFX, don't write a bunch of animals in your movie, Oh, uh, which is what I did. Uh, so, and even though the guy did, Yoshi did an amazing job, it was like, it has taken quite some time to get all that stuff done in a, you know. So we are still actually, the new deadline is August 1st. This one really is, you know, fairly, it, it, we are have a screening, I think, mid-August. We are, okay, so this is what we are, this is where we're at. We're, we're, we're done enough that if the new things that we're working on don't come through, I can turn in what I have, pretty much. Um, I had to shift gears and get a new composer uh, because the composer that I had, like, couldn't, fit the schedule and schedule do the wise, stuff and yeah. so I needed yeah. someone who could do it like really fast and I found a guy and he did it really fast and he was great uh, so I, I we did a score in about five weeks which is a whole new process I've never done before oh okay I want to hear about that yeah go on Happy to share. I learned so much. So we did score. Again, I'm in the middle of color, but also finishing up uh, VFX. So we're, we're those are all coming in now as well. And then that's it. Like that really is the final, final. Um, but in the meantime, we also wanted to have a website up because we're talking about the movie. We want to be able to send people to the movie um, and have them put their, you know, their name on for the mailing list. So JessPlusNone.com. Is, Ooh, is live and it's up. And we, you know, just looked at other indie film websites basically and decided there, you know, we gathered like four or five and went, I like this one. Said, so, okay, let's try to do that. And pretty much just, you know, did a design that way. It, okay. Did you hire a, a company specifically to create the website or did somebody on the, on the, on your crew? My producer. Uh, Heather uh-huh. Olt okay. is really, really good. She creates websites, and so she was she was all over the website. And what was great about having, and this is what I would encourage anybody who's doing indie stuff, don't be afraid to give away credits. Um, you know, it, it depends. Like with producing credits, that can be shitty because usually there's one producer that goes crazy and really does all the stuff. But but you want if you want a team, if you can give away like a co-producer or assistant producer or any kind of credit. Um, you can get stuff that's a lot harder to get if you need to pay someone or if you need to hire someone professionally, right? Um, right. So, so I, you know, for my team, we always had that, you know, Mandy June Turpin, the producer, was always going to be boots on the ground. And then um, that the other producers were going to handle more the, we're going to fix the posters, the trailers, we're going to help do press at the festivals like they are going to be on the back end figuring out the strategy for where the movie goes and all that so okay so then um 
uh, then what would so then that's website so uh, is this website is happening at the same time as you're doing the poster as you're doing the trailer because okay. I uh, assume that the trailer and the poster are on the website they are uh, wait I don't okay. know if the I don't know if the poster probably not yet the trailer is we've actually is, had a trailer we had a trailer that was cut before the movie was cut really yes because we were trying to get finishing funds okay. And oh, okay. So, so, how, so tell me how that came about then. Uh, so we have a brilliant guy who was our uh, DIT, meaning he was up at the camp with us and he took all the footage and he would extract stills for the DP and I to look at, kind of give us a sense of how the movie's looking so far and then, you know, what we like, what we don't like, so we can discuss the footage and see how, where if we're on track. Um, and also it was great because he's pulling these stills from the movie that then we will be able to use for production, right? And I think I said this before, like, you don't ever want to get caught with a movie and no tools to sell it. Right. So while we were on set, we did uh, a, um, what do you call it? God, like a press EPK? kit. Yeah, an EPK. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. God. Um, we, and we interviewed everybody about their experience in the movie. And we had a guy taking behind the scenes stills. And then we had Blake pulling stills from the actual footage in case, you know, to use them for for festivals and stuff like that. So we had that stuff, and he cut together this amazing trailer. We had a little over two minutes because most most movies have like a, their trailers are about two and a half, you know, just to give people a really good sense of the movie. Um, but then we also cut a 90-second one and a 60-second one. Okay. Because we knew that, uh, you know, for social media. Right. And also, you kind of want to, you know, you want to sort of um, mix it up. You want people to see different things and get ex- you never know what people are going to get excited about. So so we we cut three trailers and we did the poster. And what what the way that we sort of approached it was we looked at the stuff that other dark comedies were doing, other indie dark comedies, and kind of settled on a look that we all liked. Okay. And then can you uh, can you mention any of the ones that you sort of looked at that you thought had done the job really well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's if that's if it's like you, yeah. you don't want to be no um, <laughs> protective of like oh, I don't want to we stole from no it's no, like, what, no no uh, no. I was like what what inspired you to do what you did? Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Okay. Uh, Obvious Child was another one we looked at. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jenny Slate. Is that a- yeah? Mm-hmm. Jenny Slate. Uh, and then I'm trying to think, I look, I actually looked at a lot of rom-com posters too, to see even, even big budget ones like when Harry met Sally and like, and, and I guess there's a lot of, and you, so you've seen a lot of bad posters Mm. because man, (laughs) I gotta say there's not, you know, no knock against all the great graphic designers out there, but somebody, there's a lot of those look like they were done on Friday at four o'clock. Yeah. For They're sure. Like, uh, the guy, the girl, uh, soft focus, done. Next. Right. And what's great about that is you really look at those posters and go, well, what are they selling? Like, I want to be able to look at the movie and kind of know what I'm getting into, right? So we wanted something. We know what our movie is and we know who our audiences are. That's one thing we've been talking about from the get-go, which is, um, and this is this was even part of picking out the title because, oh, here's a little insider info. The original Ooh, yes, title please. of the movie was Intense. I N and then tense because they're camping. And I love a triple entendre. Sure. Right. So it was intense, but that just says camping. And this is a movie about college friends who go to a wedding and it's LGBTQ. We have gay couples and the lead is bisexual. And so it's it's it ticks off a bunch of boxes. Actually, it's camping, outdoorsy enthusiasts, wedding stuff. Uh, rom-com, you know, LGBTQ, and then also, um, oh, what's the other one? Maybe that's it. Maybe camping, wedding, LGBTQ, comedy. Those are the four things we were like, these are the things that we want our poster and trailer to say. (laughs) Because if people like that sort of thing, then they'll get it. They need to get that from the poster and the trailer. So we picked images and um, bits that we thought accurately told the story of the movie, but also dropped in the like, and for those of you who like wedding movies, look, it's a wedding, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so all the elements that are in there were from actual photography. Like it was like 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 real footage or pictures that he took while on set. It wasn't you didn't have like a 
a separate photo shoot with the cast or anything that you you pulled from? No. We pulled stills okay. from the movie. And it was okay. interesting because, like, we didn't go with, a, you know, just the lead actress on the poster. Right. Uh, because she's, you know, she's phenomenal, and I have no doubt she will be incredibly famous. <laughs> I mean, she should be. You know, like, I think she's well-known and well-respected in the industry. But if I say Abby Miller, you're not like, oh, my God, Abby Miller? Yet. And I say yet. But, yeah. You're going to get to say you knew her well. Oh, God. I Yeah, I hope I get to put her in everything. She was phenomenal. And everybody who watches the movie says so. She's an interesting case because she's a dramatic actress who hasn't gotten a chance to do a lot of comedy. And this is very comedic. So I think it's going to really, I think it's going to launch her into getting to do all kinds of comedy. And she's great at it. Um, but so uh, we didn't choose to have like just her featured because it's really an ensemble. And we had to say all of those things. So it was best for us to like take little... You know, we did put Matt Walsh on the poster. Okay. Because, Makes sense. yeah, he's a big yeah. part of the movie and also he's Matt Walsh. So he's Matt Walsh, yeah. yeah. Um, but then we just, we, we just put all the pieces together that felt like it ticked off all those boxes, which was, it took about, you know, two or three tries of like, what about this? What about that? But it, it came together pretty easily, actually. But it wouldn't have if we were like, I don't know, let's do a cool poster. Like we had the, we need a poster that says all these things. So, so then it just becomes a matter of, of laying out and figuring out how everything goes. Do you get as far into it as like picking the font? I mean, like how yes. specific do you? Okay. Yeah. So, so tell me about then, I guess, then the logo. So we ended up using the font that we used for the credits in the movie. Okay, good. I appreciate that because I always it always annoys me when you have the one thing walking in. And then it is a totally different thing. Like, wait a minute, you were using like, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter, like Helvetica. And now it's handwritten on the credits. Like, did you not? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting that you noticed. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think I do enjoy a consistent style. And also I'm a little, maybe a little bit lazy. Um, (laughs) Or not lazy. Uh, No, no, no. We don't say lazy. We say consistent. Well, yeah. And I, to be honest, (laughs) I think I'm intimidated. Like I don't, I got to work Uh, with. Right. I got to work with a person who did titles professionally and that on my movie, You're Breaking Up, and she blew my mind. Like the titles are honestly, I think, the best thing about that movie. They are specific and they're animated and they say and when she was designing them for me, she was like, you know, trying to tell a story with them and trying to evoke something. And I I before that experience had no concept that you picked anything except like courier, right? I mean, you know, like, it just needs to have words up on the screen. But she, serif or sans serif. Yeah. Those are the only choices you need to make. Exactly. And she really opened my mind to that. So we picked something that was like, I wanted to do Woody Allen-ish without doing Woody Allen because I didn't, you know. But that cl- I like clean text, you know. So we picked okay. something with so a... So you wanted, like, like solid color and then, and then just words on screen? Or... We... Well, I love... I mean, that, that's sort of... When I think of the Woody Allen openings, those are kind of what I think of is black screen, white text. Yes. You know. I have that, yes, as an opening with a little bit of sound underneath it because I like to invite people into the movie. Okay. Uh, right. So the sound begins under the black and then the first title comes up and then we go into the movie. Um, but it's a, it has a I little like bit it. of a French thing. I saw this. Um, I was looking a, again at people's title sequences and and post, trying to figure out. I was like, going to ask if you had like even a, if not top ten, like a top five, like what your favorite title sequences are. Do you can you? I does your brain work that way? Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. You know what? My <laughs> I don't know if I, I was just, as you were talking about. It, I was like trying to think if I could come up with five. <laughs> the the first one I can think of that's distinctive that I remember as being distinctive was School of Rock because School of Rock it's all hand like literally oh, hand drawn yeah. like everything you see they actually had written it on on a wall or on a chalkboard or something like that which I thought was so cool I'd never seen uh, anybody do that before yeah you know I don't I don't have anything that's sparking to mind right now of like oh that, well the Big Chill is an amazing opening credit sequence I don't remember that one. It, what is their opening credits? It's about twenty minutes long. I swear to God, they. It's. Is it getting the body ready? Is mm-hmm. it the? It looks like you're. Oh, it's right. It looks like you're getting someone dressed, but it turns out they're they're putting him in the suit for the funeral. Yes, it's a guy buttoning up, and then you cut to the different characters, and you show the characters in their different worlds, and you see that they're all sad about something, and then and then the further you get into it, you see them pull the sleeve down, and it's covering up 
a scar on his wrist, right? Us that he's cut his wrists. So it's a great, it's just a very stylistic kind of specific credits choice. I tried to do something like that. I don't know if I really pulled it off, but um, but it was inspired by that, certainly. I also love Judd Apatow and how he uses, I love any movie that does video at the end. So as, and I love, um, I also love When Harry Met Sally, how they do the little videos of character stuff. So I had my characters speak in character, like doing the wedding video, and they do that at oh. the end. Okay, nice. Yeah, so it's just like a little bonus for people who are watching the movie. They get to live in the world a little bit longer, and that's a total ripoff of Judd Apatow, and I love that stuff, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was in insp- he was yeah. an inspiration. Totally, yep. <laughs> Absolutely inspired by. Yeah. Yeah, inspired by. But, so, yeah. just as, as side note on that, and we'll, we'll circle back, um, was that something that you had that you wrote in the original script? I, I, you know, that's, that's interesting. When they showed up, do you sort of like, oh, I also want you to do this. You know, we're going to shoot this in a couple of days. And you wrote another thing for each of the... So, I'm just curious. So uh, I, I did not write that in the original script, but I did put it in the production script just so we would know that that needed to happen because I didn't want to get... Right. And I, all the actors would have it and not be it, ambushed by it. Yeah. Well, they were ambushed. Um <laughs> Because I ba- <laughs> Gotta keep on their toes. <laughs> I made them improvise the thing. I, I think I was off doing oh. something. I think I was shooting another thing okay. or I was doing something where I was required. So I couldn't actually be there. So I handed, in fact, I think Abby Miller, I was like, you're going to do this for me. <laughs> here, I, and I wrote, I did write down, like, I was like, here are the notes. Here's what I want uh, Nate and Wendy to hit, like, roughly. These are the story beats I want them to do. Here are the story beats for the bride and groom. Here are the story beats for the brother. And I did story beats for all of them. So they had kind of an idea of what to say, but it was not scripted. So she recorded them as if she was doing for a wedding video. And they, in character, hit the story beats that I'd kind of suggested to them. But I also was like, tell them to say whatever. I don't care. Um, I mean, I did care, but you know. Wow. So, I, so I think that means doesn't she now have to be credited as a second unit director? <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. I'll go back in and change those credits right now. Wow. Yeah, if you could, if you could handle that, <laughs> this conversation went really well. <laughs> what a! I couldn't. I couldn't hope for more. And the end. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh God, yeah. No, it's yeah. That's the indie spirit. I should get catering credit on some level, so you know. There you go. I say you're the one controlling the words. Yes. Put yourself in there multiple times, you know. <laughs> uh, so, did, what, like I say, so bringing that up, then uh, closing credit. Did you finish closing credits before opening credits? Um, you know, I <sighs> did. I finish or is it before. It, or is it, like who? I guess who handles? I that finished part of closing it? credits before. Uh, before I finished, like, Color VFX. Like, we've had closing credits for a while, and now we're just changing out things. Like I said, we had to get a different composer, so now we're changing their credit, we're changing the color credit. Like, there's some things that we're adjusting, and people knew special thanks and things like that. But we did it, honestly, this is a good example of what I was saying, because we were waiting. We were waiting for score VFX. We were waiting for all these things, so I didn't want to get you know, have it be August 1st when the film is actually done and then be like, okay, now let's try to do credits. I was like, hey, Chris, who's my editor. I was like, let's do this. We have all the information. Let's get it in there. And he he did it. Now, on a bigger budget movie, you would have a special titles person. And I have, I have had titles people um, on some of my shorts because it's a smaller, easier chunk and it's just less. But because we had to do it. And also, I needed, like, autonomy, and I needed to be able to, like, get in there and play with it. I I just—Chris could do it, and he just, so he just did it. Okay. Yeah. I say, uh, so, on a, I know on a big-budget movie, there is a—there's a bit of legality attached to what order things come in. On an indie movie, does that matter, or are you just sort of following the normal convention? It's a really good question. Because I looked at a bazillion indie movies and watched their end credits. And I wrote down the order, and it was different on every single one. So it really is kind of... But there is certain... There is a logic to it as well. Like, you know, you... uh, There's some... Like, a logic in that some people, you know, got bigger font or made more space or, you know, or they got bumped up higher in the order. 
um, you know, I, I guess it just depends on what the production wants to do, like how they want to credit people. But it really was different for every single one. So we just kind of randomly picked what we felt was right. Um, I did have, because we, it was a SAG production, all of my actors had a certain, in their deal memo, this is what I get for billing in terms... Okay, did, did Matt Walsh get the and? He did, but oddly enough, they nice. didn't ask for it. Really? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Okay. It. Uh, no. I was. I was. Uh, that was interesting because if you basically you show up and do one cool thing, you get the and. Yeah. So it's like a, you know, it's like I think what Judy Dench got the and for for uh, Shakespeare in Love. Like she, you know, she's basically shot for one day, like a five minute scene, yep. and she gets the and and then an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, right? I know. Well, and uh, and Matt Walsh basically, yeah, he did that. He shot for one day yeah. and he got an and, right. but he, you know. Right. Yeah, that's what you, you, you call in those people. They come in, they give you a home run and then they go home. Yeah, <laughs> yep. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So uh, and there are some things that we're still kind of working out, but it, it, I was glad I'm glad that it's not something that's ahead of me. I'm trying to get everything as done as fast as I can so that when it's actually when the last thing is done, it's really done. Does your does your uh, does it stuff play over black or is it playing over footage? Um. Oh, at the end? Like the credits. Yeah, I'm sorry, the end credits. Yeah, the end credits. Do you actually have like, is it like it, the wedding is still going on and the and the credits are playing? Or is it the wedding video that the actors improvised? Oh, okay. So that actually is like the real footage of them. Yes. Is, is it on top of them? It's uh, to the side. So okay. For, okay. it, it, it kind of changes a little bit. So um, it, when the, you know, the movie goes to black and then it's a few credits in black and then it starts off with... Including yours, I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you give yourself a separate... Sorry, I keep thinking of other things. Did you give yourself a separate credit for writing and directing no. or was it written and directed by? Oh my God. No, written and directed by. I mean, nice. I could have milked it, I guess, but... Sure. I'm like, please. <laughs> okay. All right. It is... All right. I did use the Amandy Fabian film up front. You did. Oh, I was going to ask that too. Okay, I did. You did a man of fame. Okay. Mostly because honestly, I built this opening credit sequence. Right, this idea of oh, and while this is happening, we'll have credits going over. But I got to tell you, I have ten actors. Right, I have ten. It's an ensemble of ten, and they really kind of require at least equal billing. And I, so I was like, oh God, we don't have. And you don't want to distract from the action by having the credits. So it was this really, we tried to put all the credits up top, but it was like, you can't credit everybody up top. You have to. Right. So Unless you're, unless you're just boom, 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 boom. And yeah. then they don't get their moment. But I had put all these yeah. shots that I knew credits were going to go over. And then I was like, what's going to go over them? I don't know. So it, it's still really tricky territory for me, but I, I, I just used two. I used two credits up top and then it goes into the movie. Okay. How like is that is that what you've done on all your your previous on your short films? Mm-hmm. Like man, uh, yeah, okay. I'm a is real. You, I have a tendency. Not now. My pilot that I did, we did credits all the way up through the first couple scenes. Actually, it was it just you know like a TV show would. Um, but for whatever reason, with movies, like I watched Coda and I was like, oh, she doesn't have any. It's like the production companies and then it's nothing and nobody gets credited until the end. And I was like, well, if that's good enough for Coda, it's good enough for me I, because I <laughs> I do have a tendency to sort of. In fact, the reason that I'm challenged by titles and title sequences and credits and all that is because I, I am of the mindset. I mean, I come from the short film background and sketch comedy background. I'm like, let's get to it. Get in. Don't bore people, you know, like give them a hook right away. Yeah. So I kind of I was like, even even with big budget stuff, as soon as as soon as I see text on screen, like a, like a wall of text, I'm like, ooh. I'm already like, uh uh-oh. And then when someone starts reading me that text on the screen, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, like you, you already put me at arm's length. Like, come on, right. let me give me in the story. You can, you can expo- oh. you can do exposition later. Yeah, like, yeah, oof. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I really am. Which is not really fair because we all worked really hard on it. Everybody should have as much glory as possible. But what I'm hoping is that it will still be glorious. <laughs> that they will right. still feel really good about the work, and you know, they're everybody's. So did credited. you, uh, did you get any consideration to you know? A film by Mandy Fabian, like what? Like, oh. did you put any thought into it, or is it just like Mandy Fabian film done and you move on? Or did you actually like you know sort of consider what you wanted your credit to look like? I did consider it. I think every time that question comes up, 
I Google what is what's the difference. And I think there is a slight difference of like, I don't like a film by okay. because the reason I don't like it is because there's just no way there's it's not by me. I, I could never have done it alone. I didn't make this movie alone. <laughs> uh, so a Mandy Fabian film, it accurately reflects, this is Mandy Fabian's voice, this is my vision, and this is my tone. If you like Mandy Fabian world, this film is going to deliver. But a film by Mandy Fabian, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I rely so heavily. I mean, yeah, there's just no, I'm not one of those directors, and I don't think I want to be. I've, I've I've toyed around with it. Like I am, I have taken a color correction class and I have taken editing classes and I've thought about really getting into editing some more. But honestly, I just, I know so many talented editors. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it all myself. Other people are so great, you know? And I, and it, but the, the temptation is, but then you'll just get it done and you can get it done on your time frame. You don't have to wait for other people's schedules or worry about if you're, you know, honoring them enough or paying them enough or if they want to be there, or if they're going to get a job midway through or blah, blah, you know, so it does simplify it. Those people that are like, I wrote it, I directed it, I edited it, I, you know, but I, I can't, but I don't do it alone. I love everybody I work with. They're f- phenomenal, just phenomenal. I want to say I was, I was curious if uh, what your thought process. So thank you for for sharing that. Okay, yeah. so then, then from the beginning to the end, then so uh, so dancing is play, and then and then you get to have those little videos that play on the end. And do you have like a, a final like sort of you know sting at the end, like a like a funny thing you put in? I sure do to send people out the door. Yeah, I thought you would. Oh, oh, you mean <laughs> you, at the very very end? Yeah, kind of, but it's not a video. Oh, okay. It is okay. a signature. You don't, have, you, don't have, you don't have to give out the way the story. I won't you know, tell we still want people to go and, and uh, see the movie however they can. I, w- but. I will not tell you what it is, but I will tell you that it is a signature of all of my films except my drama. Every single one okay. of my films has a joke at the end that I'm very proud of, and I put it in this one. All right. Good. All right, we will. Then there they go. There's there's a little tease to get people yeah, to go out to see. Because like like the only way you're gonna know is if you go see Just Bust. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. So then, um, so the, so color correction is was taking a long time. Yes. Said. So, I like. I guess my question is, what is it specifically about color correction that is so late time and labor intensive? Well, or is it or is it just like a scheduling thing, like just trying to get somebody in to do at the time i mostly scheduling and then there was a couple of like we've had a couple of like small snafus where our so our movie was shot on a sony venice which is like uh you know maserati is that is that even still a car what no no, i think think, think it's a good it's a very powerful powerful camera it has all the colors and all the aspects it's you know so um we had a colorist who is phenomenal and does great work, but he works on a program that doesn't uh, can't access all of the Sony Venice. So w- what happened was he was working on it, and then the DP was looking at it and going, what about these highlights? What about the midtones? What about the thing? And then we figured out soon enough that he his system was not going to be able to accurately get into the footage as deep as we needed to go to get a lot of the things we needed. So that's part of the reason is we kind of had to start from scratch with that. No fault of this guy. He was amazing. He What he did was amazing. It was just not right for this particular footage and camera. So we got uh, actually one of the ga- the gaffer on the movie also does color so he's been doing it but there's also vfx and let me say like you know even with titles and stuff in the beginning what i imagined what yoshi and i had talked about was like oh you know we're gonna have floating text on the walls and it's gonna be this whole world of things you know and maybe the titles could be like people's instagram things and and we had this whole creative vision when we first started doing it well then the reality of yeah Everybody, you know, Yoshi has a full-time job and he has a kid and a wife and, you know, like it's really hard to, and that stuff takes so much time. And unless you were, you know, unless you're, have really all the time in the world and all the resources in the world, you know, sometimes you- a whole dedicated team that you're paying to do all of these things. Exactly. So very quick, we were like, oh, okay, forget, okay, forget all the text and let's just get this one. Like, can we get this one? You know, and- we and he worked on the things that were like he really 
I mean, he did a great job, but he was focusing more on the stuff that was a little tougher, that was more necessary to the film, like stuff that I couldn't not have it in the movie. Um, but whenever you have, so VFX, that's the thing. VFX is like, it's like, it's really built, it's built frame by frame by hand. I don't even think I understood that. I was like, can't you just lop a green screen bunny on something and blah, blah. But, but they did it. They did the stuff like CGI. So they built it frame by frame by hand. And then when you're coloring something, and this is not something we knew before either, you actually have to take the code, like just the stuff that tells the VFX to show up. And then you, you, so you color the footage and then you have this separate so you can color that separately. And then you lay it on top of each other. Oh. Right? Be- okay. Right? Because he can't just send a bunny that's not going to match what we've colored for the footage. So, spoiler alert, there's a bunny in the movie. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So, it was really, a, uh, we had to learn about that. We had to get, we had to sign off on the VFX, get it to where we needed it to go. And then they had to lay out all the code and then be able to send that over to my colorist to then put that on the colored picture. And that's okay. the part that's taken. I, I was going to make a Jess plus bun joke, but I decided not to <laughs> out of respect for you and your artistic process. I appreciate that so much. Now I'm dying to think of a <laughs> bunny movie. That would have been a very hairy thing to do. I don't oh. know. Oh. You know. <laughs> well, let's just hop over that yeah. topic and move on to something else. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, all right. So, all the coming. So, did you have to pick sort of like a, a color palette for all of these things that would match, like your your yeah. your poster and your trailer and the website and everything to sort of have that same uniform that that, that matches the film? Yes, because this is sort of a wedding in the wilderness movie. We've gone with some greens and you know, and I want it to feel very much like they're in the forest and it's bright rom commy. Like it isn't a horror, right? So not blues and yellow or not uh, sorry not like um you know that like grayish yellowish thing that horror movies do um so yes there is a color palette they put something i don't they put something on the footage when you're shooting it i don't know if we talked about this before but i don't think so. okay so when you're shooting a movie uh, it's actually called raw which means it, it it looks sort of grayish. It's not. It's kind of bland. It's devoid of color because what the movie is recording, what the camera is recording, is information that basically you can make any color you want. Then what you do is you apply a look, like a preset. It's called a LUT. Um, like an L, it's like a digital message that goes to that raw footage and goes, well, this isn't permanent, but just for now, we're going to make red look this color and we're going to make blue look this color. And this is going to be the overall tone and feel of this footage. So, so for me as a director, you know, when I'm watching it in the monitor, it looks colored. They've, they've applied this because it would be so off. You can't, you can't tell if something is too blue or too red or too whatever if you can't see the colors. So they apply that so you can see it in the monitor. Then when you go later to color it, you start from there, but then you can adjust it. It's not permanent. Um, and so our look, I love the LUT. And it's been interesting because, you know, they they're, we're trying things outside the LUT. Uh, meaning trying to color it. Oh, can this be warmer? Can this be that? This needs to be brighter. And... Um, so we're finding that sort of happy medium of like, I do want her faces brighter, but I don't want everything to sort of go to yellow. So we're it's it's a bit of that. We're finding we're playing a little bit. I what I could do and will do at the end of it is like if our playing doesn't get me what I need, then I will be like, just make it look like the let. I don't care. That's all. And we can do that. Uh, but it's a little bit of like, oh, but he's done such a great job because we have a lot of night scenes, right? So the night scenes, they lit all these trees while we were on set. And I was like, oh, my God, who cares about the trees? Stop lighting the trees. Let's get, you know what I mean? I was like, I only care about the actors. Well, shame on me. Now we're in color and and you can see it. it's beautiful. Like every shot has depth. They did a great job. So they... Yeah, so they they the, he colors everything. The, the shadows, the the highlights on the ground, like nothing is blown out. Everything has information there because the camera was so powerful. It's amazing, to, like all these little. I mean, obviously you're learning all these things uh, as you're going and stuff too. But I, I sort of only ever notice 
things when they've done it wrong. Yep. <laughs> so, like, as you're talking about things, I just watched, I won't, and I won't call them out, but uh, a, a major television, a, a high-budget, high-profile television show, uh, they, they put out an episode, and during, a, a, like, a fight scene, there was over here, and it looked great, and suddenly they cut to the reverse angle, and it was clearly shot on a different day with different stuff, too. They hadn't, like, color-corrected to make it match. Oh, no! And it did the whole, I'm like, oh, and they cut back and it went back to normal. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Somebody missed that when they were doing their final composite or whatever oh, it wow. was. But it was like, oh, it's one of those things. Oh, I never really thought about that. But you have to go through and make it everything look uniform yeah. so that you don't get that. I think I was, it was like, oh, this, this like looks like a, like an assembly cut or whatever. Like this was there and they hadn't done the last piece of it or whatever. And I was like, Ew. oh, yeah, because it was digital streaming. I'm sure they can just go, oh, no. And they can just pull it back and then put out the, the corrected version. But maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, but that's a, so that's a thing. Like, you know, we we shot outside 90 percent of the movie and, you know, a three minute scene could take four or five hours to shoot. Well, the sun moves a lot in a four or five hour span. So co- part of color. Not helpful at all, <laughs> son. Right. So part of color correction is also like, oh, she's really bright in this one, but really dark in that one. You know, like you try to sort of correct shadows over here. Now they're over here. But let me also um, let me also say this is a fun little thing I've learned is that sometimes computers and exporting things and outputs just decide to do weird things. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just export what we saw. And then all of a sudden the colors like bonkers or there's a whole scene that's like for some reason the audio didn't match up to the picture in that one spot or suddenly this one sound effect is just gone. It's the weirdest it's the weirdest thing that th- these computers just they, they're ghosts in the machine so you have to QC, you have to quality control everything. So I've watched this movie now probably 250 times. <laughs> wow. Here's the good news. I can stand by it because I still love it and I think people will love it but boy, it's hard. I, I, I have a sound mix right now because after we got the new score put in and everything was signed off and done, I still haven't listened to it because I'm like, oh, my God, I have to watch the movie. Again. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess do you, because you've done it so many times, it's not like I mean, there are, there are a whole podcast devoted to watching the same movie, you know, hundreds of times. Oh, yeah, that's true. It becomes an endurance test. Uh, do you notice do you? almost instantly notice the changes because you know it so well at this point. Like when it goes in and suddenly it's a different mix, different, you know, the VFX are in or whatever, you instantly like, oh, I know that's something different. A thousand percent. This is an album that I know by heart. <laughs> I know every breath. I know every hand yeah. brushing against a shirt. I know a yeah. squeak of a bet. Like I know every inch of this movie like that and in fact wow. it's so weird I'm out in my life and I'll say something and I'm like oh my god I just like quoted the movie like it's like <laughs> I start to t- I've started to talk like the characters you, yeah. you know I, I actually do I, I speak like all of these characters now because I'll randomly say something that's become so part of my vocabulary it's crazy you you really mind meld with it so yeah yeah it's it, that is one of the weird quirks of of when you're the writer too, uh, is that suddenly I, I found myself doing that. There was something my, my kids were doing and I, and I sort of had to be stern and I did like a big fatherly, like you need to do the, and I, and I walked away and I'm like, Oh my God, I just quoted one of my scripts. <gasps> <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I hope luckily they hadn't seen that one. So like I got away with it, but <laughs> I was funny. like, Oh man. <laughs> but I mean, I did write it. So I was quoting me, but at the same time, Oh, okay. Yeah. I got to work a little harder. I, I'm doing the characters in the movie. Like, I'll say something like, you know, there's one character, she's constantly going, yes. And that's not a unique <laughs> thing, but I, every time I do it, I'm like, exact, I do it exactly like her. You know, it's just a funny, yeah. And I will say this, here's something that's pertinent to production. You do get this thing, what did he call it? My new, my composer said this. He's like, I feel like you have a little bit, they call it like score love or temp temp love. So when oh yeah because when you make a movie yeah, I've heard of this. you put in a temporary score you put in temporary music and then you hand it off to a composer and they give you back a new cue that's different than the one you've heard eighty five times so there's this really interesting thing where you listen to it and like sometimes your first response will be like oh my god absolutely not but only because it's not what you 
Yeah. It's not what you in your head. You're hearing that piece of music that was used in you, you've got mail or whatever that you put in there. Yeah, you can't tell if it doesn't feel right because the cue isn't right or because it's not the cue that you have been listening to forever. So you kind of have to take space with that stuff. It's really and the same is true for an edit. If you make a change, you're like, I can't tell if it's better because it's it's different. And I don't know if different is better, you know, sometimes. So yeah, I've actually, there's actually a couple of uh, YouTube compilations where you can tell the director went, no, I want it to sound just like that. And people have figured out like, oh, that's a, that's a sound cue from Inception. Oh, that's a sound cue. For, like they've literally, what? the composer just went, okay. And they like basically did it, you know, did their own version of the same thing. But they can say, look, it's, you know, there's like 50 notes here that are the same as the other Whoa. one. And so, yeah, because I, I think it, that's that's what it is, because you put in the temp yeah. score they hear it a thousand times, and then by the time that you know Hans Zimmer or whatever puts the stuff in, they're like, "No, no, no! <laughs> I really wanted the blah, 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 blah. It's like, "Yeah, but oh, that's but, really you know, interesting." Uh, yeah, I will say, I mean, part of my Chikino s- already did that. Uh, I can't really just take his stuff. Right. And part of my strategy was like, "Oh, just give them a roadmap as clear as you can, because that that'll hurry the process up, right? You don't have to guess what's in my head. Here's a an example of what's in my head, but." To his credit, it can be taken too far. Well, uh, thankfully, my composer <laughs> yeah. did not do that. I, I'm very. How did you uh, make this connection with this guy? Uh, I reached out to. So I met a fabulous female composer at Sundance, and they were really like it was the year that the very first woman um, won an Oscar for composition for score, and like it, you know, so I I was trying to advocate for female composers, and so I reached out to her, and she was busy, and then she recommended like five women, and I reached out to all of them, and they were they were all busy, and then this one woman was like, "Sucks for you, but hey, that's kind of awesome." It was great. No, I was that's I'd rather they be busy with jobs than you know. So anyway, this one woman works a lot with this guy, Jameson Hollister. And I listened to his stuff and I was like, well, he is exactly like he's exactly what I needed. I needed someone who was uh, did like bluegrassy kind of roots feel like we're all going to sit on a porch and whack away at something. And um, and he played all the instruments and he also could do vocals and like he had a studio like he was everything I needed. It was it was and he was fast and really passionate about it. And that ticked all the boxes. So I was like, well, this is as close. This is a very, I mean, I, I didn't see any reason not to hire him. It was great. Okay. So he sent you samples? Or, so, so. Or you, yeah, how, like you, you looked through his, like he looked through his uh, th- stuff he had done in the past. Yeah, I looked at his website. Okay. And again, I saw, and then I called him to talk to him about mm-hmm. okay. what I, I sent him. Sure. The, Vibe check. I sent him the movie to see if he liked it. Okay. Oh, okay. You had like you had it on yeah. A, and then I we had a like you have a on a private thing somewhere like you have yeah. a yeah I I sent him like a rough cut and he with the with the temp score because obviously you want to go I want something like this can you do that uh, and he, and he he liked it and then we talked on the phone and the the scheduling was going to work great because he had something he had to do in like mid mid to late June and I wanted it to be done by then so it was this great thing where he's like I can start tomorrow <laughs> uh, you know and he um and he like I said he just he kind of had he seemed like the right fit so then I was negotiating with his agent actually. Uh, about what his deal would be, but he was already sending me cues. So he jumped in the very next morning and he would come up with an idea for something and send it to me a little Vimeo link and be like, here's this cue, what do you think? And then I would, you know, talk back and and we went back and forth like that for a while. What we had to do was just like color a little bit, we had to find the palette. So what instruments do I love? For some reason, like one of those squeeze boxes, ooh, and sometimes the tinkly, kink, kink, I'm like, ugh, people love using them, but not used correctly, they make me bonkers. I say, and I know you're a very musical person. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's yeah. something he could not, he could never know. I just have to say, sure. can you pick a different instrument? I don't like that one. Obviously, he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> work on that's that. right. I know, I'm finally particular about one thing. <laughs> uh, but so, so anyway, he would send me these cues and, Initially, we really kind of got into it because I was like, I think I'm Paul McCartney and you're John Lennon. 
Oh. Like, I want okay. musical, melodic. I want toe tapping. And he was doing this really offbeat stuff that was, you know, still Beatles quality, but like not, not the song that everyone's going to hum later, you know? And so we, we kind of, we had that joke of like, he was like, uh-oh, is this going to work out? And I was like, I think it will. Let's just keep going. And then what happened was great because he sent me stuff and I'd say what I liked and didn't. And then as he got further in the movie, like, honestly, when he hit about halfway, maybe, yeah, maybe halfway into the movie, the rest of it, he, I barely had any notes because by then he had a sense of what I liked. He really was in a zone. He knew his palette. He, he was into the movie and it really showed. So because the beginning, like that was the same thing with my movie. We cut this great movie, man. And then, but the beginning needed a lot of work because we didn't know what we were doing, you know? So you always kind of have to go back and go. I, I at one point said, forget the beginning, just keep going, just keep going. And then we'll go back and revisit the beginning. By the time we get to the end, we'll know what we need at the beginning. Yep. Yep. Just like writing. Yeah. You get to the end and you go, oh, this is the story I was telling. Absolutely. God. Yeah. 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 But it was a really fun process, and I had never done that. I didn't know, I didn't know what we were supposed to do. So it was great to know that that's how that works. He sends you cues, you give notes, he sends more, and you just keep going until you're done. So I guess what uh, musically, like what is it? He's a guitar, and like he has a little uh, ensemble, like oh, he does guitar, mandolin, violin, drums you know, xylophone, squeeze box, harmonica. So he does all of this himself and then just layers it on top of each other? Yeah, he's he's like a music nut, right? So he, and and he's passionate about scoring and scoring really does need layers of stuff, right? It can't, it's not really supposed to feel like a song. It's supposed to feel like a mood and it's it's what you said earlier. If it's a well-done score, no one will notice it. Right. And in fact, the one, the biggest challenge that we had was I have some, a couple of montages in there and I needed a song and, you know, he just kept doing like more subtle, subtle stuff. And I just kept having to push him, like, go further, go bigger, yeah. no, go bigger. No. Now you can really, right. yeah, <laughs> this is, let it loose. This is the one I want him toe tapping yeah, and this humming is your guitar along. Solo. Go. Yeah. Like this is the one that should feel like a song. So. Yeah, but it was a very interesting process, and it was so great because it's that whole thing that I go through every time, which is like at first you're like, oh, how are we going to do this? Are we going to be able to do this? And then by when you find your stride, you're like, oh, it's such collaboration is so fulfilling. <laughs> it's great. Is there is there a point where you feel like you felt like now it's a real movie? I mean, because like every one of these is adding another element. Like you've shot all these short films and stuff too, and then now with this one. Every time it's another layer and another layer and another layer. Uh, is there a certain point where you're like, well, I could release it now and it'd be fine? Oh yeah. Or are you still like trying like get to the point like no like no it's 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 I still it's at ninety it's at ninety it's ninety two ninety three ninety four. Honestly, like the color has to be fixed. The LUT is perfect. Like honestly, if they just fix the two little things that are wrong, I'd be happy. And I we may end up doing that. We may end up just, I might just be like, forget it. It's an indie film. It's good enough. No one's going to notice it. Just fix the problems and we're done. Right. And we may end up doing that. That may end up being how it goes. Um, But uh, for me, the music, having the score done and then also having some of the VFX come in, because there were parts, the, the VFX is actually part of the story. It's not like, oh, if I had my wish, I'd have curtains on that window. It's like, no, you, if this is missing, it's not good. Um, so that had to come in. And once that came in, and then I also I had found a couple stock shots to replace a couple of VFX things. Uh, and once those pieces were in place, like right now I actually have a version of the movie that has no, this will come later. It's done. Okay. But it's not colored. So, and it doesn't have the final, final, final VFX in a couple things. So, if pressed, do I have a final movie right now? Yes. It's not as good as it will be in three weeks. But if we don't get it done in three weeks, I swear to God, I'm going to share that other one. Because <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm like, you're, you're like, you're like, uh, you're like 10 months pregnant at this point. You're just like, can we just, can I just have the kid? Oh God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> I'm hitting it, man. But I'm excited. So now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now we, you know, as soon as it's done, which it will be, it really will be. The guy, the colorist is leaving the country. He has to get it done. Oh. And I know exactly okay. what I want and he knows exactly what I want. So it's like, we're going to get it done. I had the luxury of a couple more weeks because I got the, I met, I met the deadline I wanted to meet and now it'll be done and we're going to have a screening at Sony, which is great. Okay. And we're going to hey, invite that's nice. sales agents and all of our, we're going to basically invite Every fancy person we possibly can, and go look at the <laughs> look at our pretty pony. What do you uh -huh. think of our pony? Anybody? Yeah. Like? And you know, so and then see what happens. We're going to use our connections straight out of the gate, and then beyond that, we'll do festivals. We'll do that route, uh, or you know, maybe if somebody sees it at the thing and goes, "You got to sell this to Hulu right now," and they have that connection, then that'll happen. Right. Okay. So then let's 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 talk about that then too. So. So we're we're here recording at this point, and uh, by the time people hear this, the decision might have been made. So let's oh, yeah. let's put a time capsule in here right now. Like, what is your aside aside from success and love? Like that people see it and want to see it a thousand times and love yes. it. Yes. What is your ideal release scenario? Like, what is your what is your your dream hope that it would be? Are are, are you really like like man? You'd be happy. Let's let's say. I'll speak for you and say you'd be happy with anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, as long as it gets viewed somewhere. Okay. So we'll, we'll set the floor of as long as it gets out yeah. there beyond just your friends and family. Yes. Um, but would you, I mean, obviously streaming would be great. Theatrical would be great. Like, are you, are you hoping for the circuit? Cause you want to get back out there and, and see in the indie circuit thing. Or are you really just like, man, I hope Netflix says, I love this. Here's a check. And then you can just be like, everybody go to Netflix and watch it. Like what? Sort of where? Where are you at right at this point in history? Yeah, I think this is because of what I know. This is from all the filmmakers that I've seen and loved and have wanted their careers. Generally, they make a darling little movie. They go to Sundance or South by or one of these bigger festivals, and they win an audience award. Uh, that would be like the dream to win an audience award at a fancy festival. I, I, at least I think. Then it's like people go, oh, you're the one that did that movie. And then they think of you for other jobs. Right. I don't know right. if you get that same sort of cachet just selling your movie to Hulu. Do you know what I mean? Like I, that would be like financially and for the movie that's great. But I don't know. Like also it could be there could be a world. I think there might be a world where you like, oh, I'm going to sell it to Netflix before the festival even comes. And then Netflix takes it to the festival. But I think. But I think that's more for like a if Taylor Swift is in it. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah, right. It has a Yeah. Thing. So so if if I could go to if I had a like a Napoleon Dynamite scenario and we go to a festival and we're like the indie darling and then it gets yeah. picked up by Got Apple TV or Hulu or Netflix and it's there, that's phenomenal. That that would be really ideal. Um, darling of the festival circuit now finds its home at Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, and then I'd like to get opportunities to direct television. That would be that would be great. You know, just something that, like I, I love I love doing comedy. So, you know, that would be that would be ideal. Um but for that's for me. But for the movie, I really actually my my big big dream would be that then that would lead to maybe I get to be a Richard Linklater. Like oh. maybe I get to be a Judd Apatow. Maybe I get to make more of the Mandy Fabian films and I get to build an audience. So even if we don't become a festival darling or get into one of the big festivals, my other dream would be like, look, I want to go to campgrounds or drive-ins all over the country or go to like Alamo Drafthouse. Like I would love to go to houses where people, you know, are indie film nuts and want to come watch my movie and talk about it because – I like audience interaction and engagement. I love talking about this stuff, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, so I can tell. Right? Because <laughs> we're still going strong. Yeah. I, I, so that that would be, that would also be a dream to be able to go around and meet the people. I, I'd love for people to know my work to, to, so that when I have a movie, I can say, well, my last movie, we took it around the country and we sold this many tickets. And if I got a little bit of that cult, following sort of the it spreads and people see it indie darling thing as an indie film then that would set me up for my second feature because I could prove that I have an audience so that would be pretty sweet 
And that's where we're going to stop the conversation for today. If you'd like to hear more of Mandy's voice, she's got her very own podcast. It's called The Mand Cave, hosting collaboration with her friend Mandy Kaplan. You'll find it wherever the finest podcasts are found. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the latest chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Kara Gallo, and my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now.